Hello and welcome to Mind Over Natter for Black Country Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust. Today we have a spin-off discussion podcast which is going to be led by our CAMS co-production team. June is Pride Month and this year the Awareness Month is celebrating and looking forward to Pride 50. That's the anniversary of the first Pride event in the UK. As well as celebrating the many momentous achievements that the LGBTQ movement has had over the past half a century. In this podcast we aim to look to the future. It's time for us to ask, what do we want to achieve in the next 50 years? What kind of world do we want to see for LGBTQ plus people in 2072? We are speaking to our next generation today who are leading the way on helping to shape the term of identity and showing how we are always stronger, better and prouder together. So I'm going to hand over to our guests. We're joined by Kate, Kirsty, Stuart and James, who are all part of our CAMS co-production group. If you all want to introduce yourselves, go ahead. Um, I'm Kate and I am an emotional wellbeing nurse at Positive Steps in Dudley. I'm also uh, part of the co-production group and the LGBTQ plus staff network. Hello, I'm Stuart. I'm 17 years old and I'm part of the co-production group. Hi, I'm Kirsty. I'm also an emotional health wellbeing nurse here at Positive Steps. Um, and I'm part of the disability network. Hi, I'm James, and I'm 14 years old. Thanks, everyone. So, hopefully, we've got quite a lot of discussion points that we're going to talk ahead in this podcast. But first, I'd like to bring Kirsty in. Kirsty, are you able to tell us a little bit more about what CAMS co production is? Yeah, so it's where we meet and it's talking about the service and how we can help improve it. Um, be more inclusive so this is a real sort of big thing here that we sort of take on young people's thoughts and opinions and we try and move forward and look at how we can better the service really. Fab. I think that was brilliant. Great Stuart thank you I know that you're part of the group so it's interesting it'll be interesting to see what your opinions are alongside James's really going forward. So Kate talking about discussion points can I bring you in here to discuss our first point? Of course so I guess we have been speaking to the young people that we work with um, who are part of the LGBTQ plus community and they've given us some written feedback and we have some young people here with us today that are going to talk to us a bit as well. So we've been thinking about how they align with the statistics that we know kind of nationally and internationally. Um, So we know that statistically LGBTQ plus people are more likely to experience mental health difficulties. However, we also know that this isn't caused by them being LGBTQ plus. It's more about the kind of isolation that they might feel, homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, that sort of discrimination that they, they may face and that lack of acceptance. So we've got some kind of discussion points from that that we're going to use um, and kind of use our own experiences as well from those. So the first one is um, a young person that I work with who said there's loads of homophobic and transphobic bullying at school. They get told off but nothing changes. Loads of people don't come out because of it. So James, is this something that you relate to at all? Have you got any kind of negative or positive experiences that 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 might bring up for you? Um, My interest in problems, I've reported it a few times but it seems like they only have conversations like there's no sort of punishment put into place to say it's wrong it's just a conversation and that's it really oh, okay um, and how does that impact you or how has that that sort it of makes thing you feel, it you? makes you feel like you're, you're on your own you've got to fend for yourself because no one like, uh, they listen but they don't they don't make it clear of what they're going to do they just speak to them and it makes you feel like you've 
you're on your own in the school environment and you just can't like you don't know which way to turn completely like you've mm-hmm. sort of asked for support and said that yeah. there's something wrong but you're mm-hmm. not seeing the change that's happening yeah. happening from that and mm-hmm. have you had any positive experiences at school of kind of speaking to anyone um, about bullying well they've said they're going to do um, and they're doing anti-bullying ambassadors and things like that oh, okay. which is helpful um, I did want to do it but I missed the when they was actually saying we oh, could do it okay that could um, be something that in the future I think yeah, you'd be a brilliant kind of role model mm-hmm. going into that sort of thing. Um, and I know you mentioned when we've been speaking in the past about um, wearing makeup to school and, uh-huh. and things that people had said to you. Is that something that you feel that you'd yeah. be able to talk about now? It knocks your confidence back like, and then it makes you feel like, should I wear it the next day? Or, but you always, sometimes it just comes to and you always do do it like you don't. Some people will, won't do it, but some people do. Yeah, I think it's really remarkable that even kind of going through people saying negative things to you, you're still mm-hmm. kind of sticking to who you are. I think that's yeah. really, really wonderful to hear. So, Stuart, have you seen or experienced any bullying or discrimination against LGBTQ people? There's been quite school? a lot, and I don't think okay. a lot of the time people realise it. I just think they think it's more teasing. Uh-huh. Like, I was friends with a young uh, lesbian, and uh, she was bullied quite a bit. Mm. Uh, she was uh, teased for having short hair. She was told to, why she was asked why she's cut her hair, and why she was friends with me if she was into girls. Mm. And uh, I did for her a few times, and it was done. But I've talked to a lot of people as well, and I'm and they're just like they don't realise it's a big deal they just think they're having mm. a joke with them and it's easy to get confused a lot of the time especially with the younger generation uh, but I feel like with they're better at college but at school I think more things could be done like there could be more things to represent people and how change is going on and maybe pride clubs just to make people feel like they're included oh. and uh I'm by and I'm still not fully competent to come out in my college life where we're a lot more accepting and talk about it a lot more. Because mm. uh, I'll be teased or I'll be bullied or I just, I just think in an ideal world it would be nice if everyone was accepted but mm-hmm. still a long way to go. Completely and it's so great to hear both of your experiences on that and as someone who um, was at school in the the kind of 90s and early 2000s I would hope that things were really different now but it sounds like there's a lot of similar stuff going on I went to an all-girls school and the worst thing that you could possibly be called was a lesbian so it didn't even occur to me that I might be a lesbian because I'd only ever heard it said as such a negative thing um, and part of me feels kind of incredibly sad that, that those are the sort of things that young people are facing now but on the flip side it's really good to hear about the the positive experiences so you know you said going to college things feel much um much better there than they were before so there's another statistic that that is really um really important for us to touch on and is one of the reasons that we want to highlight lgbtq plus young people and their mental well-being and that is that lgbtq youth are more than four times as likely to attempt suicide than their peers and this is something that kind of what you shared about your experiences of being bullied 
it, it makes complete sense for me at least that that, that is going to be something that, that happens more and I think a big part of changing that and helping young people feel that they have somewhere to turn rather than feeling like life isn't worth living anymore is having someone to talk to and share that with so the next kind of topic that we're going to be thinking about is that over half of LGBTQ young people don't feel that there's an adult at school or college who they can talk to about their gender and sexuality. Um, a young person that I worked with um, recently said that when they spoke to a teacher um, about thinking, so this is their, their quote, when I spoke to a teacher about thinking I was bisexual, they said, it's not a big deal. I get that they meant it in a kind way, but it felt like it dismissed what a big thing it was for me to talk about it. So, James, what what are your thoughts on that young person's statement and what they've said? Um, I think it's a big deal massively because most people are getting picked on for it and then they might not feel com- confident to say it like out loud. Mm. But I think if they say it's not a big deal, then that's not a nice thing to say because it is a massive big deal because people are dealing with it every day mm-hmm. and they have to think about what if it was them in that situation and how it might then for the people who were saying it. Completely, so they're just not recognising the impact that it's having uh-huh. for that person. And, and Stuart, is there anything that I think you get to I just feel like it's a big deal. I've, I, it's on my mind every day. I'm constantly worried about the future and if I'll be able, if I'll ever get married, have a family. So, uh, and I feel like it's got, it's already so nerve-wracking to come out and mm. talk about it. And uh, I feel like it could have been done better, but uh, yeah, I just feel like if you haven't got a supportive household, which unfortunately a lot of LGBT young people have, mm. they should all be uh, placed in an educated sector where they could talk about it. So I feel like as well, uh, 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 there could be their teachers can be trying to deal with it as well, and maybe counselling could be more counsellors in schools to talk about things like this. It's not easy if you've got a supportive home, so I feel like uh, more young people could be, or more teachers could be trying to deal with things like that, but that would be ideal. Completely, kind of, and it makes me wonder what might teachers or CAM staff need to feel more confident in dealing with that, because, you know, that the young person said that they didn't think their teacher meant anything negative by it, but we've all felt that that's quite a dismissive way to um to approach that because it is a big part of our lives and and i feel exactly the same as you Stuart. that being queer is a part of my life and i think about it every day and sometimes i think about it really positively but sometimes it's it's difficult and and it is it has impacted my mental well-being in the past and yeah the thought of of coming out to that teacher the build up to that and then having that response would feel really invalidating so and it often seems a bit like i don't care uh-huh. just that vibes as well like it's not anything negative it's being kind about it but uh-huh. we just like that's all he or she said uh-huh. so uh like if it was me i'd sit down and talk with a young person uh-huh. and i'll explain to them that it is okay and it's probably coming out and i might show them some really successful people who have come out I think that's a brilliant tip and yes. that's something that I'm hoping that the clinicians listening to this will hear and think perfect I know I do that with young people so I have ADHD and when young people are struggling with with 
having a diagnosis of ADHD, showing them successful and brilliant and admirable people. Because of that with me and dyslexia. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? It makes such a huge difference. And yeah, I think that's a, a tool that we could really easily put in place and would hopefully build the confidence in clinicians in being able to, to talk about that. Kirsty, was there something you wanted to... No, no, I was just saying, you know, with that young person and having that experience, I'm just wondering whether that person, that would put that person off, you know, speaking to another adult about mm. it or... Um, because I should imagine the, the first person that you tell, it's really important that you get the right kind of feedback from mm. that and validation from that. I think it often all depends on the person as well, because some yeah. people are more confident with the sexuality than others. Yeah. Uh, some people want to talk about it and are proud of it, and some people might feel ashamed about it. Completely. Which is very sad, but That's it, it still happens, unfortunately. Completely. And there's, yeah, there's so many variables, aren't there? And I know even as someone who is really kind of, I really advocate and um, le- try and learn a lot about the LGBTQ community, particularly trans people, because that's not something that I've experienced myself. I know that I still have huge amounts to learn and I get things wrong sometimes. And um, I guess a big part of these conversations that we're having today is to to learn from you and know what we can do better because even when we have the best intentions sometimes we get things wrong and we need to be okay with owning that and apologizing learning and moving on um really so what you were saying there um leads really well onto our our next point Stuart and that was something that a young person I have been working with um a different young person to the one who shared the previous quotes with us um said when I asked about um I asked them what helped them feel comfortable talking about gender and sexuality in our sessions and this young person said seeing your badge and you asking what name I preferred stayed with me and that's why I talked to you about it first and they're referring to gender identity um and this was quite a long time after we initially met so anyone who can see me here today podcast isn't the best format for this but I have so many rainbows and LGBTQ badges. Um, I've got one with my pronouns on and the Pride Progress flag. You can hear it clacking around probably, <laughs> sorry Liz. Um, and I've got a badge that says Protect Trans Lives that I remember when I first put that on my lanyard, I felt a bit nervous that it might be received badly, but knowing that that's meant that one young person has felt that I'm the adult that they can talk to about that feels like that's literally the reason that I'm working in CAMS and why I love this job. So I think that that's one small thing that I've done to try and represent that I'm someone that, that can be talked to about gender and sexuality or questioning any of that stuff. So um, I guess it would be a great time to ask both of you what would help you work out if someone feels like a safe person to talk to about sexuality or gender. So James, if we start with you, what when you meet someone or you come into a space like CAMS or Positive Steps, what indicators do you get or what things give you a clue that you're speaking to someone that's safe? Um, if they're focused on you and they, they're listening to you and they're not interrupting you or, mm-hmm. you know, they're not looking somewhere else, they're just focusing on you and trying to understand what's going on. Okay, so really sort of hearing you as well as, mm-hmm. I guess we have listening and then we have really hearing and taking things yeah. on board as well. That's, I think that's, that's really important. I think we'd hope to do that all the time, but I know that that's not, not always the case. 
Um, Stuart, what about you? Is there anything that you can think of? I feel like you? just having something on you to let them know that you respect or LGBT. So it could be like something pride related or pronoun badge, like they have our college. Uh, okay. And just getting to know them and uh, just being kind of being supportive mm-hmm. and uh, making them know that you can talk to them about anything and we won't judge here and just telling them things like that and okay. just giving the impression that you care more than anything. Brilliant, thank you. I think that's really, it's really good to have those reminders and I think it might be a great time that anyone in the trust listening, they can have their pronouns added to their staff ID badge as well. So um, their ID card, so just a shout out for that as well. Um, so Kirsty, I know one of the young people that you work with has written a really, um, a really important story that they wanted to share with us today. So would you mind reading that out and we can have a think together about what that's brought up for us? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, my name is Axel and I am a boy, not biologically though. I spent my whole life as a normal girl I didn't think anything differently or act any differently to other girls. I liked red, not pink, but I did like dresses and heels, stealing my mum's makeup when I knew I wasn't supposed to. I didn't know any difference. I was, a norm- I was normal until the age of nine years old. I matured and started to do less dislike certain parts of my body. I didn't know why until the age of ten years old. I hated being a girl, but I didn't think that wanting to be a boy was normal. So I classed myself as non-binary, not a boy or a girl, just a person. I really started to think about my gender at that time. I wanted a flat chest and short hair at 11, and that's when I spoke to a really close friend at the time and found out I was transgender. I didn't know what to do about it, so I kept it a secret for a year or so. I thought of it like, my body is a girl, but me, myself, I'm a boy at heart. I eventually had to cover mirrors and tie my hair up in a cap, wear tighter clothes under my hoodie and make my name sound more masculine. I told my mother and father over a text. I thought that I had explained it really well and gave my reasons. That, that, That was normal for me. I told multiple people that so I've had practice. My parents didn't try to use my preferred name or pronouns or even let me buy boys' clothes. It was hell. Soon enough, I gave up on my parents and had two personalities. At school, I am Axel. At home, it is different. I am a boy at school and a girl at home. We are two different people. My hair is shorter now and I have so much more confidence. I am me, just not at home. I'm hoping eventually they will understand, but if they don't, that's their loss because I am a boy at heart and they can't change that. So it's really kind of quite heartbreaking to hear that Um, and I've worked quite closely with the family to try and look at kind of getting them to think about things in a different way Um, but they've really sort of struggled with that and it's not, this isn't the only case, you know, we hear a lot of young people who are struggling because parents are finding it difficult to accept their decisions but from a parent's perspective it's about loss. So they give birth to a, a, a you know, little girl and that little girl then wants to be a boy and they kind of really struggle with that as well. So I do think sometimes it's about supporting parents through this and, and kind of 
giving them a bit of support as well. Absolutely. I think sort of taking the responsibility off that young person, having to do the education for their parents as well, because I think they, I think often the onus falls on people who are part of the community to educate everybody around them. So I think if that's something that we can step in and do, um, then I think that's, that's going to have a positive impact on young people's well-being, isn't it? And I think it is really heartbreaking and, and such a powerful statement, but there are so many really beautiful moments in there as well. That sort of, I know we talk a lot about gender dysphoria, that kind of extreme discomfort of, of bodies, but I heard kind of gender euphoria at the end there saying, you know, I cut my hair and I felt like me and, and the joy that comes from being ourselves and feeling able to be authentic is absolutely enormous. Um, and yeah, that young person who shared that is, we're really grateful for, for sharing that story really. Stuart, is there anything that that's kind of raised for you that... I think it's very about? upsetting knowing that people are brave enough to talk about things like that and par the parents don't feel as supported uh, about it. Mm. But uh, yeah, do you find it hard? To Imagine that'd be really difficult. It's not anything I've experienced, but it just knowing that you were born in the wrong body and knowing the trauma really? that person would have gone through. And uh, I think we need to spread awareness as well for uh, people to. Because I feel like it, it's all like. It's all like. Uh, gay lesbian by now and we uh -huh. I feel like sometimes we forget about trans and the big process it goes through. Completely. And uh, yeah. I think that's a really important point that you raised there. The fact that the trans community have been such a pivotal part in um the whole LGBTQ plus movement, but they're often the ones that the LGB part of the community can forget about or be dismissive of. Um and I guess particularly bringing it back to thinking about pride like trans women of colour were so pivotal in the the kind of na international pride movement. So yeah, I think that's a, a really excellent point. And I think we um, owe it to our trans siblings to, to kind of be allies to them. It's not just that we expect heterosexual people to be allies to us. We've got to kind of all be be part of that change as well. And I know something that, that can support parents and families and young people is about visibility and um i know dr ronks from operation ouch who is super cool always says you cannot be what you do not see and i think that is I love that quote. it's wonderful isn't it and and i know as someone who assumed i was straight for over 20 years it breaks my heart that i didn't realize that and i think that lack of visibility had a massive impact on me um and it warms my heart knowing that my wife is like this openly butch teacher in a school and talks about being queer and i think that's really wonderful but thinking more about kind of um tv and media um i think that's something that can have a positive impact so as well as kind of programs that are aimed and targeted at the lgbtq community having the kind of your mainstream tv shows having lgbtq characters in is really wonderful um and i suppose that leads me on to our quick fire round um that we're gonna have so 
Liz, are you going to ask us our quick fire questions? I can do, by all means. Yeah, let's go for it. We've got three out of so We have. Let's, um, let's go around. I mean, I'll end, I suppose, if I'm the person that's asking. So <laughs> let's start with you, Kate. Um, we've got queer icon, queer film or, or book, and then the final question, which I'll, I'll ask you. But okay. go for it. Let's start with right. queer icon is. So my queer icon at the moment is a singer called Self-Esteem, who is kind of openly bisexual, talks a lot about mental health, is an incredible like pop musician and is just wonderful. Um, and rather than a film, I've gone TV show. I've been watching, well, I watched it all in one sitting, Big Boys on Channel 4, which is about um, a gay guy and his straight best friend. So it's flipped that idea of gay best friend on its head and it's wonderful seeing male friendships on TV and really wonderful examples of being an ally. I've learned something new there, so that's what we're going to look into. So to bring it back to sort of the talking point, really, that okay. we opened with um, for the third quickfire question, um, what kind of world would you like to see in the next 50 years then? So I think for me, um, I would like inequalities, social inequalities, but particularly health inequalities to reduce. So working in mental health, um, that that might be about kind of socioeconomic status or race, but particularly about gender and sexuality. I don't want those statistics to still be the same in 50 years time. I mean, I obviously wouldn't want any young people to be thinking about ending their lives, but I think in 50 years time, we could work towards that not being so skewed against LGBTQ young people. We need to protect our, our baby queers and raise them in a beautiful, safe world. I mean, I think that's a hard topic to follow, really, the answer <laughs> But Stuart, by all means, let us know what, you, what you're thinking on your queer icon and your queer film or book, potentially. So my queer icon is Lady Gaga. She's such a strong uh, artist, a worldwide icon, uh, who supports and raises protection for so many LGBT young people around the world. Uh, absolute legends. Uh, and my recommended uh, book or film, I've gone with the film, it's Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Okay. Just a bit of fun. Uh, and it's all about celebrating equality, celebrating being who you are, and just being equal, which is, I think, very important in everyday life. Sounds good. And then I'll bring it back. I'll bring the question back to you. So what kind of world would you like to see in the next 50 years? I would like a world where it's not necessary to come out to people. People are just accepted for dating whoever, being whoever. And I would lo- and I found it really upsetting to find out there's over 80 countries out of 197 countries where homosexuality is illegal and people could be prosecuted up to death for... So we need to see some change globally then, really, don't we? Because there's so many countries where so many young LGBT people could be punished for being honest about who they are. But it's so sad that people need to lie who they are to keep alive or keep out of prison. So I would like to spread a lot of awareness about that and just hope we see a change in that because it's heartbreaking. Hey, hey, I think we're all in agreement there with that. So, Kerry? You're, you're up next. Um, Kirsty. Oh, sorry, Kirsty. Oh, too many Ks. <laughs> um, I love how I'm the host and I was the one who was saying I'm not sure if I would make a mistake today, but it must be one of those things. Kirsty. It makes us all feel much more yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Go for it. Let us know what you're okay. thinking for your film and your uh, your queer icon. So the queer icon is uh, Silga Rivera. Rivera yes. Because she you knows really kind of hard for transgender rights and things. 
um, the Danish girl okay. because I think it does it's quite sad but I actually think that I don't know how much further we've moved on when we're, we're sort of like you know li listen to kind of what happens with Axel and things so mm. I think it just shows how much further we need to go and it, it does demonstrate the difficulties that people have in making that journey um, and it's not an easy choice so so yeah yeah, and I'll bring the question back to you then. So, two brilliant answers here already. But what kind of world would you like to see in the next fifty years? Um, I, I can only sort of like replicate what these guys have said. Really, just that it doesn't matter, you know, what your sexuality is. That you are judged for the person who you are, you know, and the kindness. Yeah, the kindness in your heart. Yes, absolutely, and, and just. Yeah, why should you have to kind of come out or anything like that, you know? It's just about acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I would love a world of acceptance. I mean, again, can't disagree with that, can we? <laughs> Absolutely. So, James, we're not saving the last, least but last, because there's <laughs> me to go, but I feel a bit of pressure there. <laughs> Let us know what your queer icon is. Um, my queer icon is James Charles. He's a makeup artist who has come out with... Um, He's a makeup brands and he goes to special um, red carpet events to obviously try his makeup and everything. Um, I've watched a film called Love Simon and it's where a young boy, um, he has a crush on this boy um, and he has messages from him and then they meet up and at the end they're on, they meet each other in the fair rides, um, like a circus and they met together. Um, and it's really inspiring to be able to see that no matter who you are, you can always find what you truly want. Mm -hmm. And he finally admitted it to his parents and they brought him gifts and everything and it was a lovely film to watch. To it's nice feel good. Happy. Sounds like a nice feel good film. Which yeah, is I've just... not seen that. I'm adding it to my, my Netflix list. It's so really good. We're all in here. Uh -huh. So I'm going to ask you then the big question. What kind of world would you like to see in the next 50 years? I would like to see all members of the LGBTQ to walk around being free and to be able to hold the hand of the same gender, like walk into the shops and for everyone to just, you know, feel feel confident in who they are, feel confident in their own body and to just have that, to wake up every day and think this is who I am and I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to be proud for the rest of my life and no one's going to bring me down. Isn't that positive? That is, that's made my yeah. nose go all fizzy. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, I, I can't believe I've got to try and follow on from that now. So, would you like me to ask you, you the question? You can, let's go for it. I'm in the hot seat now. So, all yeah. right then. So, Liz, who is your queer icon? So, I've gone for Harry Styles because oh, yeah. I'm actually going to see him next week at the time of recording this podcast. But <laughs> one of the things that I think Harry does so well is he's got a massive sort of platform. You know, we all know him from One Direction fame, really. But I think... One thing that's always struck me having been at his concerts is that people can feel safe there. Mm. And I think a lot of people find themselves in music. I think it's massively important, but I think he's aware of his platform. So being able to be an ally of any sort, in any which way, um, not only in a, I suppose, what you, will, you could deem a, a work setting or a school setting, but in a, a, fun, a fun setting, a, a place where you can take your mind away. I think he does a great job of, of making that happen for people. So Completely. that's why I've picked Harry. Wonderful, I love it. And what about a book or film recommendation? I've gone for God's Own Country. Um, now, God's Own Country, to my understanding, is a little bit of a, an indie film, so I don't know whether many people here have heard of it before. 
Um, you may have done, considering one of the, the leads in the, the film, went off and hit the ground running as Charles from the Crown, but I think God's Own Country is a, a, a poignant way of telling a story about homosexuality in a way that's not, I suppose, so much out there. It, it, it's, it's open to interpretation, and I think that's important, um, especially with how not everyone's journey uh, to identity or sexuality is the same. And I think you were able to interpret essentially how, how that character deems himself or sees himself in that identity. Um, so it means everyone's got their own place, really, in that community. That's brilliant. Some wonderful recommendations. And then... So, yeah, your final question. question. I feel like... Don't get ahead of yourself. I want to ask it. I feel like it's... Um, <laughs> I like seeing you ask it. So what kind of world would you like to see in the next 50 years? Um, as someone who works in communications, it's a bit weird being in the, 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 the questions... Not in the question seat, in the answer seat, really. So I think media has a massive part to play. Representation is everything. Um, I think you know the quote that you mentioned earlier. I think speaks for itself. Um, I think media need to help shape essentially what is considered normal in inverted commas, and I think it needs to be there to enable continued healthy discussion. And I think if we lose any form of representation across the board of of identity, gender, sexuality, whatever term you want to fit in that gap there of that sentence, I think that would be a, a crying shame, really. For allow, to allow continued discussion that's the, the thing I'd like to see happen completely thank you and thank you for, thank for being you. part of that in our trust as well no um, thank you thanks for today thank you all for putting this together and giving us an opportunity to do this so thank you no of course completely. that's what we're here for so thank, <laughs> thanks everyone for sharing your opinions today hopefully the discussion that we've had um, or the views that every, everyone shared here really I think will help someone who's listening because that's what we want really at the end of the day, isn't it? Um help one people it's worth one uh, one person it's worth it, not people. Completely. <laughs> yeah. Personal yeah. people I think we're happy. Um I think in the description we'll make sure we signpost to some key charities and educational resources because mm-hmm. everyone can always learn. Um but also if anyone needs any support having heard what we've we've talked about today, it's it's there for you. Um so that ends today's podcast. Thank you everyone for, for joining us.